Welcome to Anxiety and the Artist, the podcast that explores artists' relationship with anxiety, offering insight and inspiration. I'm your host, Allison Schaff. This episode is the first in our special mini-series, Access to Care. Many times on this program, we talk about the importance of therapy. However, we acknowledge that therapy is a privilege and is not always accessible or affordable to those of us that need it the most. I've invited some of my previous guests to talk about access to care, where to find affordable therapy, and the tools and resources that are available should therapy not be accessible. As always, this podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Today, we welcome back therapist Lisa Gaida. Lisa was a professional dancer for over 30 years, appearing in 18 Broadway shows. She specializes in anxiety, depression, trauma, performing artists, parenting, and relational issues. Lisa, welcome back. Thank you. Therapy is an expensive and oftentimes inaccessible to a lot of artists. Where are places that artists can go when they're looking to find a therapist or affordable therapy? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, so especially because when the, you know, what hits the fan, like we have less money and we need the support more than ever. Mm -hmm. So, um, a few things come to mind. Uh, first of all, there are interns. Um, when, when I worked at my former practice, um, I was an intern and I was about $40 less a session than the, uh, licensed practitioners. Um, at the practice where I work now, equity therapy, um, uh, interns are legitimate. I, I can't really speak price directly, but they are like legitimately affordable, you okay. know, like you don't have to be on Broadway to see an intern at this practice. Um, another thing is you can go to the actors fund, which has actors fund is very, really focuses a lot on group work. Okay. Um, but they also have short-term individual therapy that is really affordable. I think it's a sliding scale or it might be. No, it's free. Free, oh, okay. short-term. I double-check with, with the Actors Fund, but I'm pretty sure it's free, short-term therapy. And then they refer you out to affordable therapy. Um, and so that if you want to do longer-term therapy, uh, you can continue with uh, – they have referrals of people that will work for people at reduced fees. Okay. So they're kind of like a therapy agent. Yeah, exactly. They're a therapy agent. And then there's like the, um, uh, what is it? The national, uh, what is it? The national Institute of mental health. Okay. And there, there, there's just a plethora of information. If you Google N I M H, you will find hotlines and services and, you know, there's substance abuse, um, programs, there's suicide prevention programs, there's hotlines, there's specific stuff to literally every problem. Um, or nearly, I shouldn't say literally, but many general problems. Um, and it should be uh, really accessible. Um, and also, um, yeah, that, that's basically, you know, uh, in terms of like organizations that are out there. So I would do interns, Actors Fund, NIMH. Great. And if for some reason you are unable to access therapy, what alternatives are there out there? Um, if you're unable to access therapy, you actually do have access to some really important stuff. Um, one thing that you have access to is other people. Um, I, throughout the pandemic, was shouting from the rooftops that people should get into contact with each other 
and do little free groups together. They can show up once a week. They can show up once a month, every two weeks, uh, like for an hour, an hour and a half on a Sunday night and connect and talk mm-hmm. about what's going on. Because being in connection, the, the, the therapeutic alliance is a really important element of therapy is being with somebody. I actually spoke to a client recently about this. Clients will sometimes be like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. And I will, I will say, you know, first of all, it's, it's my job. You don't have to do this right. I'll, I'll help this go well. You know, you know, just roll up your sleeves and go with me. Um, mm-hmm. But also um, just showing up here and knowing that I am with you in this experience, you know, is, is really, really has a powerful sort of, um, what's the word? It's practically an intervention in and of itself to be with somebody in the experience. Um, and when you're going through your week and stuff is happening, you know that there's somebody that's going to connect with you about it at a certain point. So small groups okay. uh, are a great idea. They're free. There doesn't have to be a therapist. It's just about somebody sending out a Zoom link. Um, is there? Yeah. Do you have any guidelines that you would sort of offer for that? Like um, my fear, not my fear, my experience yeah. sometimes yes. is when you when you gather a group of artists, it can quickly devolve into a bitching oh. session. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Well, I completely acknowledge and understand the need to vent. Yeah. Um, what do you do? You have any sort of guidelines you would offer for for a gathering of that of that type? Thinking of the groups that I've run. You know, and I guess I, I didn't do therapy, but I sort of ran them. You know what okay. I mean? Like I, I would just sort of like connect themes for people. And um, I guess one of the things that you can do, honestly, is sort of be really mindful about who you want to do the group with. And I think, you know what you do? I'll tell you what you do. This happens in official groups as well. Groups will often make their own rules. Okay. And so the group can collaborate on their top five most important rules. So the first session can be what is important to everybody? You know, how do we uh, troubleshoot? So people can say, you know, this ha- everything that, that ha- is said here stays here. Mm-hmm. Um, if things get sort of too bitchy, can we sort of gently move ourselves back into Solutionville? Um, you know, <laughs> uh, what, you know, et cetera, et cetera. People can decide what's important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no yelling, um, you know, whatever it is that they, you know, being, you know, sometimes it's actually important on a Sunday night. Like for some people, it might be important that people be like sober and not drinking, whatever mm-hmm. it is. People um, can, will often in groups uh, be encouraged to create their own rules. So one of the ways that you could troubleshoot that is, is um, being mindful of what it is you want to avoid and where, where, where it is you want to keep the group tone wise uh, mm-hmm. before you make your rules. Great. Yeah. Amazing. What other suggestions do you have? Um, mindfulness. Sorry. Yeah. There, well, no, there's mindfulness. Mindfulness is a really extraordinarily powerful tool that, um, everyone talks about it, but, um, and so sometimes those things can, like when I actually, when I first heard about mindfulness, I was like, oh, this mindfulness already. Ugh, <laughs> everyone, oh, I'm so mindful, but, but it's a really powerful sort of scientific tool, um, that when you notice something, it, happens, it wires differently in your brain. Noticing something is different than just doing or being the thing. Mm -hmm. And mindfulness is available to everybody all the time. And we have a lot of access to mindfulness apps. There are apps like Smiling Mind, Calm. Um, I use Smiling Mind. Everyone's Australian. So it's kind of amazing. Like the accents are fierce. (laughs) And I will be, you know, it's, and the thing about mindfulness that's so great is you do it. Like I'm a terrible meditator. You don't have to be like a good, quiet mind. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's actually quite active. And so if you're more accustomed to being active, you know, I, I'll be on the subway and instead of scrolling some sort of social media app, what I'll do instead is I'll do a seven minute body scan. And the moment, you know, it does a similar thing to meditation in that it puts a blip in that tape. Like your mind has, it, it's, it's, it sort of has all the control. It's got your, it's got your brain in a grip. And mm-hmm. it decides how everything, and it just does its thing. Nobody stops it. Nobody has any impact on it. Nobody can, can sort of negotiate with it. And mindfulness or meditation is a way of putting a blip in its power. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I took that seven minutes and did something really different with that tape, you know, and my right. brain did something really different. And your brain can't ruminate. You can't have intrusive thought or it's harder to have intrusive thoughts. There's all kinds of stuff your brain can't do when it's noticing, and it also drops you into your body. And we're a really disembodied culture. And I think that's partly why we're so anxious because at the end of the day, we're mammals. Mm-hmm. We're embodied beings and we live from the neck up and we think we can do everything from the neck up. And that's just a mess of a plan. And so right. my, <laughs> mindfulness can really put you into your body where you're a lot more grounded and, and, and a lot more sort of mammally and safe. <laughs> Getting more mammally. I Getting like more that. more mammally. Yeah, because you are a mammal. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other suggestions? Yeah. I mean, basically the, be in contact and use the free resources that are available. There's like, if you're having anxiety, you know, um, intrusive thoughts that I mentioned, um, stuff like, or, you know, you can, you can Google, just literally Google like, um, anxiety exercises. And there's, there's exercises online, like five, four, three, two, one, where you kind of notice five things. I don't remember the order of what it, like five things you see, four things you hear, you know, three things you smell, taste, and touch, you know, mm-hmm. moving down to three, two, and one. And again, it's just, it's a chance, it can stop like overwhelm and panic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so stuff like this is, is just like the internet is loaded with, if you're experiencing anxiety, sort of tools you can use. And they seem so ridiculous. It seems like you're looking at like, you know, a pinprick in the face of a tsunami. Uh-huh. Like, it just is <laughs> like, there's no way this could work with the size of my sort of anxiety. Um, or depression. But mm-hmm. believe it or not, this actually does have a really, really, it's been shown to have a really big impact. So yeah, and it gives you, and I even have clients that will say, even if they don't use these apps and these mindfulness exercises, knowing, and people who have really, 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 really severe anxiety will say, knowing I have these tools, I feel different. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have, uh, I have options if this yes. comes up. And so that in and of itself could be really powerful. Um, the word, the term, I should say, self-care is yeah. bantered about a lot these days. Yeah. And um, corporate America would have us believe that self-care means pouring ourselves a glass of wine and yeah. eating a lot of food yeah. and <laughs> and buying stuff on the internet. Yes. Um, wh- can you um, define self-care from a, a more uh, healthy perspective? <laughs> that's such an interesting, I mean, it's an interesting question because I'm excited to answer it. You know, like that's uh-huh. a cool question for me because I'm, I really think a lot about this idea of self-care. Look, people get to decide what self-care is for them. I have a really different view of self-care from, I think, like the colloquial um, mm-hmm. idea, which is that, you know, we love ourselves, we pamper ourselves. It can include pampering, but mm-hmm. actually my idea of self-care is lo- like, it's actually very active and it's really sort of messy and unsexy and it can feel actually not frilly or even good in a way. Mm-hmm. Self-care is loving up who's here now. Who's here now? Which part of you is up? Mm-hmm. What do they need you to know? And what do they need? 
you know? Mm -hmm. So let's say there's a part of you that's like on the subway and like having a panic attack and can't breathe. You know, it, I like self-care is not trying to make that part better. It's about cozying up to it, getting curious about it, hearing it out and being, being with it. So self-care to me is being with all of the, the parts of ourselves that we try to erase and bypass with okay. other, with, with candles and wine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a really complicated, look, it's too late for me to answer that well, but I hope you got the gist. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of people take the term self-care to mean um, being self-involved almost, yeah. you know, yeah. like yeah. I, I can't, I need, I have to, I have to do self-care and like they end up being a little selfish. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like it's important to, to distinguish between healthy yeah. self-care and maybe something that's destructive. Absolutely. And know? self-care is sh- like who sh- showing up for what's actually happening and not mm-hmm. bypassing it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's ironically, self-care is often an actual act of bypassing. You know, it's mm-hmm. the, the way we think of self-care is like, how can I get around this? How can I medicate around it? How can I slip around it and, and trick myself away from how things really are for me right now. Right. Right. Um, one last question for you. Yeah. Um, anybody, if, if anybody out there is in crisis, yeah. um, what, what, what do you have to say to them? <sighs> it's, it's tricky because crisis is, you know, um, it can be so many things, you know, it looks so many different ways and it's different for so many, each person. So I'll do a general answer. which is again, my, it it is connect, Mm -hmm. connect as soon as you can reach out, go to, go to NIMH online and get a hotline, find someone, retouch someone, touch something, you know, don't being alone is the most dangerous thing a person can be in a crisis. And so I think that they need to begin by making a connection and that connection will take them to the next place, you know, depending upon what's going on. So yeah. I mean, literally walk into an ER. Like I, I've been on the phone in my, you know, internship career where I, I would tell somebody, you know what, go, go to, to the nearest hospital right now. Okay. And, and, and be with, and, and, um, and people will take care if you're not able to take care of something yourself, if you're too overwhelmed or depressed or suicidal, um, put yourself in somebody else's hands, somebody you can trust. Right. Great. Yeah. Fantastic tips. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your, your insight and wisdom as, and your wonderful joy and personality. It's always a delight. <laughs> always a delight as well for me <laughs> to talk to you. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks to my guest, Lisa Gaida. For more information on the topics we discussed, head on over to our website, anxietyandtheartist.com. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and share. Until next time, be healthy and stay creative. Anxiety and the Artist is produced by Grost Productions and recorded at Homestead Studios. Music and engineering is by Vasco Chef. 